From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, FNC reporter J.D. Duggan talks to Lynette Dumalog, who is a senior vice president at JLL's Minneapolis office, a St. Louis Park City Council member, and chair of the board for the Urban Land Institute in Minnesota. Dumalog discusses her path to board chair at ULI, her experience with real estate as a first-generation immigrant, and ULI's role in bringing social issues forward. Hey, all right. Today we have uh, Lynette Dumalog, Senior Vice President at JLL's Minneapolis office. Uh, Lynette was recently recognized for a notable nonprofit board service for her work as the board chair um, at the Urban Land Institute of Minnesota. Uh, hey, Lynette, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, first, can you just tell me a bit about what you do at JLL? What is your work there? Sure. Yeah. So I am a Senior Vice President at JLL. Um, my role here is I'm a broker. So what I do is I help users of real estate find space or dispose of space. So it might be office space, it might be maker space, um, it might be anything related to organization and business. Um, and specifically, I work with um, clients that are in the healthcare field, in nonprofit, and in government as well. Cool. Um, and you've been in the board chair role at ULI, ULI Minnesota for just a few months now. But you've been an officer for the organization for even longer. Um, tell me about what that work is like and kind of what you hope to accomplish in this position as the board chair. Sure, sure. Um, so I will preface this with ULI, Urban Land Institute Minnesota, is a global organization. And how um, we're organized is that every single area has their own district council. So while we kind of figure out how we manage the, the, the organization here locally, we still are kind of tied to the national arm of a ULI national. Um, so I've been on the board um, a few years. Um, I was invited to join um, a while ago. And um, when I first joined this industry, I thought of ULI as very like, these are where really smart people are thinking and doing and talking about deals and um, things that I, you know, as a young person joining industry, I just had no idea and and didn't really think that room was for me. You know, I was someone that was working on market reports. I was someone that was um, helping kind of the the day to day kind of all the little things you need to do to make a deal um, happen. But that room was for people who were like movers and shakers. So I'll I'll start there. Um, and then I had a, a very good friend who said, you know, I've seen you do other things in this area, in, in the Twin Cities, and um, I've seen your leadership grow. I really think you should consider um, joining ULI Minnesota and consider, you know, eventually joining the board. So then I was invited to join uh, the board a few years back. Um, and, you know, from that, and this was a time of change for the organization. 
Um, we had an executive director who had announced her retirement and she has um, then moved on and done really great things. And we hired a new executive director, um, Stephanie Brown. Um, and so there's there is some really great energy around, you know, what we get to do as an organization. ULI was formed initially under this construct. Now we're going to be seeing what we can do, especially after the wake of um, George Floyd's murder and all of the things that now communities are saying, what can we do differently to make sure that some of the civil unrest um, that we experience, some of this tension um, doesn't happen again and recognizing that real estate and placemaking itself has a role in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I you had written a letter um, when you were an incoming chair, right? Um, that mentioned some of those uh Histories related to racial covenants, redlining. What do you think is ULI's significance in um, kind of bringing this change forward? Sure. Um, so I always think, um, well, one, informing and educating our, our members and our greater community about the things that um, we maybe not didn't have a hand in. Like I wasn't alive making these decisions in the 30s and 40s, um, but maybe um, my mentor's mentee, mentor. Um, might have had a hand in that. So it's really taking a look at where some of these things occurred in our community. So namely racial covenants, and I'll take St. Louis Park as the city where I live in as an example. There are places in our city that had restricted deed covenants um, that were specific. You cannot live here if you are um, a person that is non-white. Um, then there's some that even go more specific if you are um, a, a Black individual or even um, if you're of Chinese descent. So that is that is the area of where I live. And so when you think about real estate and when you think about all the things that we make as a decision, this is where a company wants to go because this is the economic base here, because this is the demographic that we're choosing. So so when I think about ULI and I think about kind of the things that we've done in as an industry, we always look back to history and we always say, well, these are the people that live here now, or these are the, this is the workforce that we have now. This is what we would like to have. Um, we would like to locate our, our organization here because of whatever reason. Maybe you want to enter the market because you see um, that demographic buying your product or maybe that demographic not wanting your product. So then you make a different decision. And so you can see areas in our city where um, it, it's it's pretty apparent, you know, <laughs> three generations later. So as ULI, as um, chair of ULI, and, you know, some of the things and some of the work that I've done within JLL, some of the nonprofits that I've worked with, some of them have been asking themselves that question as well. So um, we've been working with, I've been working with some nonprofits here locally that say, we want to be in this area because um, we are we are here to serve the community. Um, in an, and we we want to reflect the values of this organization and what it brings. Yeah. You have a very extensive resume. Um, I saw that you, do you currently uh, serve on the board of Catholic Charities and have previously served on Aeon's board, right? Correct, yeah. Um, what do you think are some, you know, affordable housing is kind of an issue that I write about regularly that we talk about a lot. What do you think are some unique or key solutions for addressing the affordable housing crisis? And, you know, what, what are you seeing people bring forward? Yeah. So um, we are seeing, um, well, affordable housing, there's a lack of affordable housing. We have single digit um, vacancy and, and those are usually like because people are moving in and out. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of things in our area where, um, 
people get to be creative. So from we'll talk about kind of real estate and land use. So we also have in our community when we when we when a developer comes to town, um, there is a process that you go through. You go through planning and then you go through council and approval. Um, sometimes you might not have advocates that want to be in that space and and speak about you know changes that are happening in their neighborhood, and that's that's a normal reaction. Um, you there you know you bought into um, this neighborhood. You have it. There's a reason you did because you have a set of expectations, and then all of a sudden there might be um, a housing developer coming into town or coming into your block, and then it will materially change how you feel about your neighborhood. So there's the land use um, part. Then there's the actual like financing part um, where you might have um, private capital is always faster to deploy and it's always about site control. Um, so you so you might have um, people that are able to put a deal together <clears throat> quicker than if you were trying to um, do affordable housing. And then you have the financing piece, which is like the tax credits, um, tax credits kind of allocations. Um, and those are super competitive. Um, and if if that is how an organization does deals, um, it'll take time. So, um, and that's always tied to your income, your area median income, where you sit relative to area median income. And that's how deals um, get financed. But then um, you might have to sit on a, a list to make sure that you get your housing. So, yeah. yeah and, and there's also, too, this occurrence of naturally occurring naturally occurring affordable housing. Um, when I was on Aon's board, um, that was a very uh, aggressive um, acquisition kind of mode because all of the tax credit properties that um, were constructed under and then now are able to be uh, market rate. Um, those are things that um, communities should be mindful of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of that extensive resume, you've done work in tenant representation, you currently are a city council member in St. Louis Park, um, not to mention the roles that we've already discussed. How do you, like, how do these things fit together? How do these roles inform each other? How does your work yeah. at JLL or ULI inform your work as a council member or vice versa? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, D, all of the above. Um, right. yeah. So, uh, you know, um, we can talk about, yeah, so there is work that I've done, um, whether it's nonprofit, so being on the board of Aon Catholic Charities, then, then there's the work that I've done uh, relative to negotiating with a landlord, advocating for my client, um, making sure that the space that they choose to call their home and offices is suitable for what they need. Um, and then there's a the lived experience. So if I can delve a little bit into the um, lived experience a bit. So um, I, I am a first generation, um, uh, I think it's Filipinx, um, or I'm a Filipino American, but I've been told it's Filipinx. Um, and my parents immigrated um, here in the early And so when my, when my mother and father first came to this country, um, they immediately, the, the jobs that they had in the Philippines the experience that they had in the Philippines, uh, and they were here in their late twenties, um, were no longer applicable. Um, their their college degrees were um, not quite. Um, uh, I think they were not recognized. If I'm if I'm using the right term, um, as like yep, it's a legitimate college degree. Um, and so you kind of had to start. Um, they had work experience, but they had to start um, start again. Um, so my dad was. Um, 
he was a, a janitor in St. Louis Park City Hall. So he was uh, cleaning cleaning that building that I now serve and, and go every week to, to make decisions. And he is, and he had a second job at Nordic Wear. So he was um, he was working on the line making bunt pans in, in our city. Um, and then my mother originally was a teacher, and then she decided I'm going to give um, I'm going to give an analyst or what is this thing called computer computer programming. And so she went to control data and was um, and learned that and built a career after that. Um, but when I say lived experience, the first housing they looked at after they were living with my aunt and uncle, they were very kind and generous to let let them live there for a few few months while they got settled. Um, we, my family, had experienced some discrimination going into some housing. So. Uh, there was one um, housing that wasn't quite up to par and didn't seem very safe to live in. And then there was another housing that um, the the landlord said, I, I, I don't think you can afford it. So I'm not going to give you an application. So so those I, I say that story because it also informs how I might advocate for um, people when I'm on council. It might be advocating when I'm looking at um, I programs or initiatives that a nonprofit might have um, because it'll, it's impacting this community. And, so, and, and, this, and the family has to make decisions based on what's available to them. And then also too, like it also impacts how, um, you know, how, how we get to make decisions on council. So, um, yeah. so these kind of all, like they all intersect mm-hmm. um, and they all kind of inform one another. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it feels like it would be easy for you to do just one or two of these things, but you've done all of these things. Why? Why do you take on all these things? What do you like? What do you like about this work? What is you know? I feel like you've been talking to my husband. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you have. Um, well, you know, there's the um, there, there's the well, and I've, I've admittedly I've been better at saying no to things, so I've, I've gotten better at doing that. But um, also, too, I look at as, um, you know, when you have these leadership roles for the time being, you, you learn as much as you can, contribute as much as you can. And then you hopefully um, make sure, like, hopefully you surround yourself with people, the next generation or next leadership, and then they can make decisions um, moving forward. Um, so I've always been a big believer in um, learn as much as you can, um, contribute as much as you can, and then you move on to the next thing. Um, I've, I've always, uh, I've, I've jokingly said to people that have been in leadership positions that, um, if you are the old person, older person in the room who was always like, we tried that before, we've tried that before. And, um, you never want to find yourself in that position. You should probably move on and let, let others lead. Um, but I, you know, I, I obviously, I love this community so much. Um, and I, I do what I can, uh, with the time that I have and, um, you know, hopefully uh, people um, want to take up after I've maybe served in some positions because this is this should, leadership should be something that's shared. That's I, I've always believed that um, and that um, you should allow for others to have that. Yeah. Cool. Tell me about this, uh, this recognition you got for nonprofit service. What does it what does it mean to you? And what's yeah. uh, what, just tell me about it. Well, um, so yeah, Twin Cities Business, they have a list of like, hey, who wants to be nominated? And, and actually, I'm, I was quite um, uh, surprised. It's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> and, you know, and, I, and um, I'll share bits of a story um, 
I, I, I bought a couple of issues, um, making a plug for that magazine with another magazine podcast. Um, and uh, I went into the bookstore and I got to buy this a uh, couple of issues for my family, including my own. And so my son, who is with us, um, with me, it was just me and him. I think we were going to grab a cookie at the nearby bakery as well. But I'm like, we got, we got to buy this. And so I open it. I'm like, is this, this is the right one, right? And so I saw my face in there. And then my kid, my son was like, that's you, mama. Um, and so when I look at all of the people that I was, you know, in, in kind of in that same recognition, I, I feel really honored that, that I'm in a, in a group as like highly distinguished as some of the folks that have been highlighted. So it, it means a lot. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't do board service. I I'm a little, I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm a bit more, um, discerning on what I say yes to. So this feels, feels really good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Lynette, I'm not sure that I have any other questions. Was there anything that you wanted to add about your work, what you hope to see from the future, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, something that I've been kind of noodling is that, you know, as communities are saying um, and asking their their um, leaders, like, what, um, how can we change space? How can we change space for communities? And so whether it's, you know, JLL putting a deal together and, you know, bringing an employer or an organization into a community, um, or like, how do you do public engagement well? Um, And so are you creating spaces for community or with community inputs? And and what does that look like? Um, Versus like, we're going to create this, um, we're going to create this building, this asset we're only looking at it as an asset um, and, you know, we're, we're only looking at it as a, from the investor's point of view and then a return. So I do think that there's some like nice sweet spot balance. And that's what I, I hope to kind of um, explore as chair of ULI um, because there's certainly, I think, room for um, people um, who have never had like a family experience um, you know, that, that I shared previously or, um, they, the developers or, um, people in banking, they, they might have a different lived experience than, than those that have done this for generations. Um, and so I'm excited to see what, what those outcomes might look like. We've spent a lot of time at ULI, um, working on pipeline and working on, uh, board governance and restructure, because I think, I really believe that, if we make space for leaders to come through, they'll do it. And that'll just make communities better. And when, when you're in partnership with the community and developer, I just think the end product looks is is remarkably different. Yeah. Do you see that happening more? I do. Um, Yeah. I, I, I do think that um, there's opportunities to say, Hey, um, you know, this is what we need. Um, and then for, for community to kind of vocalize that, but then it's like, like any negotiation, <laughs> that's why we have staff to do negotiations at cities, um, and say, you know, the priority for, for this is to, um, it is, um, is X. And so I, I do see kind of, um, some cities and, um, communities, uh, looking remarkably different and better for it. Um, there was an article in the Star Tribune about, um, Tree canopies mm-hmm. uh, recently, and and what what does um what does it look like when you have um, foliage if you have a tree, and what it does like for 
um, the climate. But you know, my colleagues at Nor- at uh, JLL, they're they're leasing a, a building. Well, they're marketing a building, the North Loop Green, um, and super sustainable. Like, what, you know, what does it look like when um, a, f- a former industrial area now is is where it's livable? And what does it look like to have um, things like a tree or um, trees or any any type of outdoor space that wasn't there previously? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. It was great, great talking. Great. All right. Take care. Okay. Oh, we were ending it. We're done. Okay. (laughs) Can can I I hit leave? That's (laughs) yeah. (laughs)